This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the East Lansing Insider, a news podcast brought to you by East Lansing Info and Impact 89FM. My name's Andrew Graham, and I'm joined today, of course, with my co-host and community correspondent, Chuck Grigsby. Chuck, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And again, for what is this, the third week in a row now, we have uh, yes. Eli's Managing <laughs> Editor, Emily Joan Elliott, on with us to join the conversation. Emily, how are you doing? Good, good. Excited to be on yet again. <laughs> we got to, we'll, we'll come up with a, a community correspondent tag for you, although you're supposed to Managing Editor. <laughs> So I'll today, stick with the title I have, yeah. <laughs> so today we wanted to get into the fact that we're entering the third year, more or less, of the COVID pandemic. I was sitting around on Monday of this week, the first Monday of the new year, and just thinking, man, third year of this. When I, when it started, I was a senior in college. I am very much not a senior in college anymore. And I think it's it's a good time to just take a moment step back and one look at sort of what the current state of covid is as a disease as a virus as a pandemic how individuals are dealing with it and the sort of positivity the case rates all that stuff and looking at how it actually is impacting our lives now and sort of versus a while ago we had touched on this in a previous pod but i think with the omicron variant kind of becoming the current surge and the current wave we're within and the the effects and impacts we're seeing this is we're recording this on wednesday january 5th and it's already impacted msu's return for the semester and some issues with uh east lansing public schools which we'll get into so first thing i want to do is emily you're here because you've covered the pandemic for us that's sort of been you've been on top of that beat and done most of the reporting for that did you expect to do more than two years of it no, I guess I never really expected to do it at all. I wound up with, I can't say by mistake, but in February 2020, Alice had asked me to write an article about how people could prepare for emergencies. And a lot of that was winter weather preparedness, but she also said, inform people that maybe they should stock up on food and masks just in case they get stuck inside for two weeks if we have to shut down or if they catch COVID. So I wrote that article. I interviewed Dr. Nigel Panis from MSU. And then when the pandemic hit, so to speak, at, in the United States and in Michigan, because I had written that article, it was my beat. <laughs> um, it's been a lot of ups and downs, uh, as you might expect. There was the dark first days of the pandemic, which relatively speaking, weren't terrible in Ingham County. Uh, summer 2020 cases were low. There were days when we had no new cases. Then the MSU students returned and numbers skyrocketed. And it felt to an extent like we never fully recovered from that. Numbers came down a bit. Then we had the vaccine. And I remember telling Alice, this is how the older generations must have felt on VJ Day. And I thought of that the other day when I was driving and I was like, we felt the glamour then, but now we're kind of living the nitty gritty of when people maybe came home from war and things were, and as they left them, it hasn't truly ended. The Marshall so to speak. Plan phases of the COVID yeah. pandemic. <laughs> 
So, and then here we are now with the Omicron variant. And since you pitched this story to me on Monday, I think the amount of news that's happened with Omicron locally has been really extensive. So I think you chose well with the topic. Yeah, when I proposed this Monday, I was thinking, you know, it hasn't really impacted us much here. It's definitely noted MSU had their had already announced their online return, but that was going to be just uh, the first couple of weeks. And I was thinking, you know, maybe we're, we might skate here. And I was so dead wrong. So don't trust me on any pandemic predictions. I wanted to get into very quickly the actual current data or the most recent, which came on January 4th. And just to really quickly go through it, there's just over 6,000 active cases in Ingham County. There have been 44,208 positive cases cumulatively since the beginning of the pandemic and 578 deaths. And the last two months have been November 2021 and December 2021 have had the highest death totals per month since winter of 2020-2021, the December-January phase, which tracks and is a concerning trend. And I think that's because we've seen with Omicron come through, case rates have picked up. But it is worth mentioning here, and this is a big point worth making, is those cases and those deaths, especially recently, are almost exclusively people who are unvaccinated. Um, and that's just the reality at this point. And I know myself, I'm boosted. I'm, I know both of you got your first two shots. I'm unsure about boosters at this point. I haven't kept track of anybody, so I'm not weird. But I'm not super worried myself personally about it. But it's something that obviously, if, if I was unvaccinated, it would still be a very severe risk, I would imagine to me. But that's just kind of the, the state of things where they're at now. We are currently experiencing definitely our worst wave of COVID in Ingham County since last winter. But I would again say if you are vaccinated, if you are especially boosted, it is a much less severe illness. And that's been borne out by pretty extensive research and anecdotal realities for people. Um, yeah, I know the research is suggesting that Omicron seems less likely to move to your lungs. And I think we should tell our listeners most of what we're saying is very tentative because this is a yeah, new it's, variant. It's quite early on. Yeah. And I think the concern is maybe for those who were vaccinated and boosted, I the concern might not be great, but I think there is concern about our healthcare system and hospitals being already on the brink with the Delta wave. And although this is a less severe variant, you know, if you have more people getting infected, though, it might mean more people heading to the hospital. Yeah, this is one where it's the, the individual concerns might be lessened, but the, the societal and the structural issues absolutely remain. Yes. If you just have a certain critical mass of people getting sick and going to the hospital, you're going to be in deep water pretty quick. So we, we've mentioned, I've mentioned MSU starting their semester online for the beginning of 2022 a couple times already, but I want to jump to East Lansing Public Schools because we have a little more recent news out of that. This is again, you, Emily, and then we're going to get to you, Chuck, because I know this affects you as you have a kid who goes to East Lansing Schools. So Emily, can you just fill us in on the latest? Sure. So prior to winter break, the district received at-home COVID tests from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, which a lot of us know now as MDHHS. They were sent home with the students. I think everyone got two tests. That seems to be how a lot of the tests come packaged anyway. And Superintendent Dory Lyko recommended that families use them before sending their kids back to school. 
So there was some mitigation steps taken. Students returned on Monday, January 3rd. And I know seeing on Facebook, some parents had posted like, thanks for sending these home. My kids are negative. I feel relieved. It did appear that the based on a letter that um, Superintendent Lyko sent home to families this morning or an email she sent out. The at-home test kept about 47 positive students. I don't recall if it was out of the high school or out of the district, but people did see the results and did not come to school. But it does, in that letter, there are concerns about cases going up. You could see the dashboard. There's 12 cases at the high school. They only have to report cases that have been in the building. So it appears that 12 students came to school and found out after they had COVID. There's been some calls or parents asking questions of whether or not there will be a transition online or what's going to happen. Uh, But in the email, Superintendent Lyko had said that for now, when the situation changes and will be monitored, the plan is to stay in person because the district is now dealing with 18 months of online learning. The social and the emotional development of children was really difficult. And so it's the trade off of mental health and social development versus the Omicron variant and the safety of students is a fine needle to thread, it seems at this point in the district. But I'd be curious to know, Chuck, sending a child back to school, what concerns maybe weighed on you? Yeah, thank you, Emily. Um, it's It's been um, a tug of war of emotions when it comes to what do we do? Um, As uh, you know, I have a 13-year-old who is at uh, McDonald's, and uh, he didn't go the first day back from school because he wasn't feeling very well, and he did the COVID test. He came out negative, but he just wasn't feeling very well, and we were really, uh, as parents, on the shelf about what is happening and what is going to be happening with school and thinking that they were going to eventually move to going online after a day or so after all the other schools had really followed suit. So uh, he ended up going back today, and uh, things worked out pretty well. Just got to talk with him not too long ago. But, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. And I can't imagine, you know, having multiple children in different levels of school and how the response has been and the information that's been sent out to parents. Um, I think that the superintendent, school board, I think everyone who's making these decisions, they're in a very, very tough place because they don't really have a solution that everyone's going to be happy with. And at the end of the day, we don't really have a lot of information in a way that you can make some of those decisions unless you are in time ongoing as it goes along as we see what information comes out. I know something I forgot to mention, too, when Chuck's story reminded me, Tim Akers, who previously was president of the teachers union in East Lansing and still teaches at the high school, shared on social media today that over 500 students were absent from the high school yesterday. And of course, not all of those are COVID cases. I think some of them are other illnesses or symptoms that are COVID-esque. But a high schooler reached out to me to say that some students are nervous about coming to school because of fears of catching Omicron, um, which also has played into the high absentee rate at the high school. Well, yeah, it's curious. been uh, just to just to jump in just on the end there, you know, yeah, it's been ahead. a tough family decision because like for me, I felt like, you know, there's protocols in place, you know, there's we can only do what we can. 
But then my wife at the same time is like, no, like this is not, you know, something that we should be thinking about doing right now and seeing what happens and wait. And so it's a really tough uh, scenario, even within the family dynamic of kind of what to do based on what information is available to you at the time. Yeah, I was going to, I wanted to ask you about that, Chuck. And I think, Emily, you and I have probably experienced it to a different degree, but it's, it's that lurch of, you know, you got the one at home test, but I would assume it was the one and you're kind of in the same boat with everybody else of trying to track down other testing, which means spending at least an hour or something somewhere waiting in a line probably. And that it's at 11 o'clock on a Thursday. If the kid is, Hey, I kind of have a sore throat and it's like, Oh, well, his symptoms, is he just sick or is it, should he go to school? And that, I think you kind of got to it. It's, it's, you're just left in this lurch of when it would otherwise just be, well, he's just kind of got a cold. And I'm curious, is that sort of something you're foreseeing with the inability to be able to just say, well, go take a test? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's a tug of war of, you know, your moral ethics decisions about what you do, but what you most beloved people in your family and how to really protect them and really protect uh, the people around him as well. I mean, we're coming off a holiday where we had a lot of people traveling and coming into town. And before this thing really took off the way that it did, you know, we were kind of doing things as business as usual when it comes to that interaction with our holiday. And so coming back from that, it really makes things uncertain in a lot of ways. And so, you know, we're going to go day by day as a family. Um, and I think as a community, I think you, you have no choice but to go by day by day and, and see what the information comes out and see what decisions are made and make the best ones uh, for you. I have a friend of mine uh, who has a, a child in school, and he's pretty much uh, in the mindset that his kid has to go to school uh, because he does not do well online. He needs that structure. He needs that mental health. And that was, Emily was talking about earlier, and that's the most important thing to them. And so, you know, it just, it's just really very difficult because there's no perfect solution for, for this big deal. Totally. I, uh, I've i said it all along. I, I do not envy anybody who is having to navigate the back to school and the protocols and just making sure that's all square. So Godspeed to you and your family, Chuck, and everybody else uh, involved with trying to make those decisions. I wanted to also get, get back to MSU because I know we've talked obliquely about the the starting online for what was it I think three weeks to start the semester mm-hmm. and you know I I immediately texted Alice Drager Eli's founder when the decision came out and I just kind of asked they have the vaccine mandate and they actually have a, a booster requirement now for students and they're among many colleges in Michigan that have a, a vaccine requirement including the University of Michigan and uh, Central and my thought was if you have the vaccines, requirement and students are broadly vaccinated it stands to reason that you could keep class in person and test mask distance just be vigilant i understand acquiring enough testing could be the obvious road roadblock there but it seems to me that i don't know that having all the students who assuredly will still move back to town for those three weeks or some portion of it and then just go back to class at the beginning of february is maybe going to make that much of a difference unless the theory could be riding out the Omicron wave. I'm not certain either way, but it seemed to me that it's kind of not going to do all that much. I'm curious if either of you guys think it's worth it or going to have some big effect or not. I am of two minds. I know when MSU went remote, 
in fall 2020, the students came back and I think you wrote the article, Andrew, about how all the apartments were almost instantaneously rented. And then we know the students had more free time, less structure time and did party. And if you have students who are boosted, they might take the calculus of this Omicron variant isn't going to be particularly tough on me. The flip side I see, though, is if I was a member of faculty or if I'm staff and I'm feeding students in a cafeteria, the staff component, the dormitories are still on or still open. I think you have faculty aren't maybe as young as the students and Omicron might be more of a concern for them. So I see the benefits for faculty, although students for... MSU regulation, do, everyone has to be masked in the classroom, although I do, do know anecdotally from instructors at MSU, they face the same challenges as teachers and instructors everywhere of proper masking isn't always in place. There's a mask on the face, but it isn't always sometimes correctly on the face. I'm imagining a lot of noses exposed. And yes. Other such things. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I, I hadn't considered the faculty point all that much, probably because I'm 23 years old and not in the mind of a college professor or faculty member. So that's a good point. And lastly, on the sort of recent moves and machinations, the city has also canceled, I believe, meetings through this week and a handful of others throughout the month of January. Council will still be meeting, but there's some info up on the City of East Lansing website. And you can also find a lot of this reporting about MSU EL public schools COVID in the area at East Lansing info.news. We should mention that as we go. I wanted to get now to the sort of current economic impact of COVID. Cause I think it was sort of obviously at the beginning shutdowns, things were very crushing for service industry, restaurants, hotels, kind of everything. And there was a pretty concerted recovery effort, I think, to that first year, that sort of first wave of lockdown. I know, Eli, we did our Spend Locally series, again, EastLansingInfo.news, and a lot of different people, you know, there were just different different efforts that went on, people making sure to get takeout from their favorite restaurants, to people buying gift cards, to people just making donations to businesses and other things, and We've kind of gotten, I think, past that big valley coming back up the other side, but where we're stuck is that we're kind of in this forever pandemic that's preventing high school students are sort of not comfortable in class. We've seen a lot of businesses struggle to be staffed because workers are getting sick or not comfortable coming in. So this kind of weird spot where things are back, but they're not normal i'm curious i I was chuck i actually wanted to ask you about this first i guess do you feel like sort of in terms of the things you can do on a weekend or you know like would you be comfortable going out to a movie now or going out to eat or like that kind of balance of you could but what's smart and what people's tolerances are yeah great question um so two two things one um as far as being a volunteer commissioner for the city of east lansing um, we've had uh, our human rights uh, meetings here since uh, the holidays. And right before the holidays, uh, we pretty much were having trouble having quorum, um, having enough people to have and conduct business with our meetings because we had people who uh, were concerned about public health and concerned about being in person and not having the option of going online. 
And for me, at least at the time, I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm vaccinated. I feel like I have a mask on. I feel like we're doing protocols. We can't meet. That's okay. But then you have, uh, you know, your colleagues who are in a situation where they have family members who, you know, are high risk for getting really sick and really being affected by certain things. So they had different criteria about what they thought was okay. So, you know, it's really affected us in that way uh, as far as that's concerned and, and how that's going to go forward with the city and what they're going to be needing to do to make adjustments. Because, like I said, we barely were able to have a quorum. And I know that the city just made an announcement about shutting meetings down for the month and seeing what happens. But I really believe personally that we will have to do online for a while. I think we'll have to get back to that just until things kind of get cleared up. And then from the community standpoint, yeah, for, you know, we we just recently went to a uh, MSU basketball game here over the holiday break. I don't know if there was a game coming up here that we'll be going to anytime soon because of all the things that's going on. But I feel pretty confident, you know, with the booster, finally having my son um, get a vaccination because he fell within that threshold. Uh, my wife obviously is vaccinated. They're talking about now giving the um, his age group the booster shots. So we feel pretty confident in participating in community things as much as we can. But at the same time, we have in the back of our, our mind that we really need to be cognizant of the situation. Sometimes, you know, we're going to the grocery store just doing different things. And my wife may be yelling at me about throwing my mask on. I'm like, well, you know, I'm just going to the grocery store. I'm going to have close contact. And she's like, you know, you need to have it on everywhere you go and what you do. So just navigating through that and, and going forward, I think, is really the biggest thing that we're going to have to do. And just kind of really appreciate that. And try to have as much normalcy as far as participating in such as things like movies and things like that as much as we can for the mental health. Uh, as Emily was talking about, it's a big uh, underlining causal effect to this whole health, public health situation we have as far as how people are being affected uh, emotionally and mentally with, uh, with some of the, the barriers that we have in place right now. Yeah, I can I can definitely say in the, the past couple weeks, maybe not a pandemic wall, but a pandemic hill i've kind of gotten just gotten over the hump of this week but it's just yeah it's really tiring emily i kind of want to pose the same thing to you about sort of just balancing you know doing things being a human seeing some friends maybe going and getting lunch but also not propagating a yeah. pandemic you know all those good good things yeah i first want to respond to what chuck had said about quorum at meetings because i've actually covered hrc and seen chuck waiting and counting heads uh as we're about to get started but i think something worth noting is that the parks and rec commission recently wrote to the city manager and to council asking that the city put in a vaccine mandate for its employees and for people who serve on boards and commissions and pointed to the success or relative success of the msu vaccination mandate where over 90 percent of msu affiliates whether students faculty or staff did comply almost instantly without any issue and the city manager george lahanis responded and said well their 50,000 were a lot smaller and we haven't had we've been able to function without a vaccine mandate and i think that letter was sent before then the city made the decision to stop a lot of its in-person meetings but in terms of personal it's been a tough calculus. I've been a fairly cautious person during the pandemic for 
multiple reasons. We didn't know if my partner had an underlying condition there for a bit. But I did, I was supposed to go home to New York for the holidays. And then someone in my family came down with COVID. So that was also an issue of who would I stay with? And would I not see this family member? And then with Omicron being rampant in New York, I didn't know the ethics of going to New York and then spending Christmas Day and um, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day with my partner's family. That was something I wasn't sure about. And I guess personally, at this point, I see my friends a lot, but I we're opting to have everyone over and order a pizza than go to a restaurant at this point is kind of where I'm falling yeah. with it, where I see my my circle, but I tend to see them, you know, on my home turf or their home turf. So, yeah, for New Year's Eve, I, w- I just went over to a friend's house. There was a, a couple other friends there and we just sat around and snacked and chilled and celebrated the new year. And it was actually, frankly, pretty enjoyable. But I, I'm kind <laughs> of in the same boat of I'm comfortable. I'm vaccinated. I, I got boosted uh, shortly after Christmas. And I, I'm not, you know, worried were I to test positive for the Omicron variant and get COVID right now. But it's, I don't feel the need to, you know, run headfirst into a wall of COVID either by, you know, going to the club or something. So I, I think it's that it's that tough calculus. But I think there there is a, a reasonable middle ground and certainly things we can do where it's not like, oh, my Lord, what are you doing? But also not just sitting at home and not seeing anybody because that's not really good for us either. And I think we talked about this with the students, but the adults too, like, oh yeah, mental health is a concern and I need socialization and I try to do it in a way that I think is less risky. But I think we feel the fatigue and the question of can we just lock ourselves and isolate ourselves for another year? I don't think a lot of people can handle that. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just answer that right now so i want i wanted to ask you both before we get out of here just to share a little bit about i guess your just your personal sort of what the sort of how covid manifests for you sort of your personal experience with it like on an average day these days so chuck i guess i'll kind of posit that to you first i imagine it involves whether your kid is going to school <laughs> yeah pretty much have spoke on it you know um and kind of how we deal with it on a daily basis and you know i think you know I also want to mention culturally, you know, how people were dealing with it in the community and and just the different variables and levels of fear that exist between people as far as what happens to them and, and all those different things. I just really think that, you know, this could have been, should have been a great opportunity for us all to come together in a way that uh, we can really beat this thing and, and really end its life cycle. But uh, it seems like we still have a lot of challenges that we need to work through as people and as a culture and as people going forward with you know these type of bigger platforms of problems in the world that uh, we just need to improve upon. So that's kind of how I see it right now. Well, I totally get that. Emily, any sort of parting I, ideas? I would thoughts? say the Omicron wave is the first time I probably felt true rage during the pandemic because otherwise 2020 was a terrible year, but personally, like I found a job I liked, I got a promotion i saved money like a lot of good things happened to me sort of and then down start a new type thing yeah right and then the idea of having to cancel my trip and the inequity of how the 
vaccine has been distributed globally. And then in the United States, when we have an abundance and people seem very divided on the issue, it was just a frustrating thing to just see that the world and our country not getting it together. Yeah, we. It's. I, I th- think Chuck was kind of getting to a similar thing too. Of we didn't need to be here. We this this right. wave and variant. It didn't have to get to this, but it did, and that's why we're here doing this pod today and kind of taking stock again because it's starting to feel like January, February, twenty twenty, all over again, and that's unfortunate. So, both of you, I want to thank you for coming on and dishing about this. Really, an enjoyable conversation today. Thank you. For Chuck and Emily, my name is Andrew Graham, and this has been another episode of the East Lansing Insider. Thank you for listening. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.